calves when they're born, they have no antibodies in their bloodstream at all. They have never really been exposed to any pathogens or any bugs. So they don't, they're completely naive to the world and what cows do to help protect their calves in that early lifetime is they produce colostrum. And colostrum is full of antibodies, which are the antibodies to bugs that the cow herself has been exposed to. And what you want is for the calf to get that feed of colostrum as early as possible. Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and this week is the second episode in a two-part podcast. I'm joined by Chagas researcher and vet John Donlan to get an insight into top tips relating to caring for the newborn calf. Don't forget to listen back to last week's episode on top tips relating to managing the cow before calving and calving the suckler cow. John, you're very welcome back. What's the best advice for when the calf is born? Uh, yeah, so I suppose once once you have the calf on the ground, the first thing that I'll often do if I am calving a cow is once we'll say we have the calf maybe up and we're happy that we've gotten all of the fluid out of the lungs. Uh, I always try and sit the calf up um, so that it's uh, sitting upright rather than lying out on its side. That calves, you know, lungs are there because they've been inside in the womb, they're only after taking their first few breaths. So what you want to do is give them the best opportunity to be able to breed as properly uh, uh, as possible. So that's often if they're sitting kind of upright rather than lying out on their sides. And then um, once you have that, you know, you want to get your bit of um, water into the ear or a little, um, you know, bit of straw or a finger up the nose or something to try and get them to cough and expel the rest of that fluid um you know a good happy calf that's had an easy calving will nearly do most of this stuff naturally itself it's the maybe calves from the harder calvings that you'll have to keep a very close eye on and make sure that they um that that they uh, are kind of start sitting up for you and uh, eventually get up uh, and i suppose the reason that you want to keep close eye on that is because the most vital part of uh an early calves life is or a, a calves early life is um classroom management so calves when they're born they have no antibodies in their bloodstream at all they have never really been exposed to any pathogens or any bugs so they don't they're completely naive to the world and what cows do to help protect their calves in that early lifetime is they produce colostrum and colostrum is full of antibodies which are the antibodies to bugs that the cow herself has been exposed to and what you want is for the calf to get that feed of colostrum as early as possible because the calf's gut is in a very unique kind of stage in that early life where it is able to actually absorb those antibodies into the bloodstream um, to give the calf immunity. So we call it passive immunity. And um, if you if you uh, feed the calf within the first two hours of life, that's when that gut is the most open and that's when you'll get the best transfer. So I suppose that's why I talk about 
the, particularly the calves that might have been from hard calvings or that seem a little bit um, slow, they're the calves in particular that we have to make sure get that in the first two hours of life um, because they're the ones that are least likely to get up and suck the cow. So I, I suppose we, we want uh, for that colostrum as well, you want that to be the first milk from a cow. So, you know, ideally it would be from the calf's mother herself. Um, if you can't get that, you know, colostrum from another cow is the next best thing. Uh, in very rare kind of cases, is colostrum replacer a, a good alternative? In most cases, natural colostrum from a cow on the farm is the best thing for the calf. Uh, the replacers are for if you're really, really stuck. Um, and I suppose the most colostrum that you can, the biggest volume you can get for the calf uh, is the best. You know, in dairy calves, they'll often talk about three litres, but in um, suckler cows will say the cow often produces a much more concentrated version of classroom so she probably won't produce a full three litres but it more than likely the clostrum will be of a higher quality so it'll have much more antibodies in it compared to a dairy cow so really as much as you can feed the calf as much as it'll drink in those first two hours is probably the key thing and then obviously the, the next thing I would often do is um, dip the navel so the navel is the um you know, way that the calf was kept alive inside in the uterus. It has uh, several different blood vessels in it and uh, other structures inside in it. And these, they all lead up into the abdomen. So, you know, it's a kind of an open wound that you have on your calves and we need to take care of it as well as possible because in my own experience anyway, navels, um, from going to farms across the country, doing research and just uh, doing veterinary work, uh, navel ill is one of the things that uh, often maybe gets missed um, and it can kind of grumble on. So good disinfection of the navel is is key as well. And doing that straight away once the calf is on the ground is very important as well. So I would often uh, prefer dipping the navel and you know there's numerous different products out there that you can use um, iodine products and uh, chlorohexidine products and to be honest with you there isn't a whole lot of definitive evidence for either in terms of which works better so it's whatever you want to use yourself but definitely getting that navel disinfected early on is going to be very important. Some great advice there, John. You mentioned there, most cases we expect the calf will get up and suck the cow straight away or can take a feed from a bottle. But what are the key tips when it will come to a stomach tube in a calf? So, um, I suppose the stomach tube is is a very useful tool, but it's also you know a quite an intimidating thing, especially if if you're a new farming or or you don't do it very often. Uh, the first thing, the tube itself, make sure that it's clean. So wash it out between every feeding with lots of um, water, so that there's no remnants of the previous colostrum feed in it. 
because what can happen is if the tube is dirty or it has leftover colostrum sitting in it, it that can grow bacteria. And if you put in your feed, sometimes the bacteria that grow inside in the tube can actually mean that um, the calf isn't able to absorb as much of the nutrients and antibodies because it's contaminated with bacteria. So making sure your tube is clean. I, I, I personally, I, I like the uh, slightly soft tubes that are um, easier to kind of manipulate. There's numerous different types out there. It'll be personal preference which ones you use. But uh, the key thing to 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 um, do with the tube is when you're passing it, be nice and gentle. This isn't a particularly nice experience for the calf. They're going to struggle. So you know, uh, trying to. Uh, uh, do it as gently as possible so that you're not um, traumatizing them is going to be very important. Uh, and uh, obviously there, there's a, a food tube and a windpipe. And uh, we definitely don't want our, our tube going, our stomach tube going down the windpipe because if we do um, put it down the windpipe, we can drown the calf. So really nice and gentle uh, when you're, putting it into the calf's mouth and passing it and try and uh, the gentler you go, the more likely the calf is to swallow it for you. And then once you're, you, you feel the calf has swallowed it, what I'll often do is just keep a hand on the left hand side of the animal's neck and I should be able to feel the tube pass by my hand. If I don't feel the tube pass by my hand, there's a, a strong possibility that it's gone down the windpipe and I just take it out and I'll try and repass it again and then just pass it down and let your feed in and and then once you're done feeding kink it off again when you're pulling it out so that if any uh, you you don't risk um kind of letting a little bit out while while you're pulling it out and maybe the calf might um, inhale it or something like that but I suppose the key thing is if if you're not confident doing it probably um, uh, look to to go to some someone who is confident doing it and, and do it a couple of times with them because it's it's very much something you have to learn by doing it's not something that you can kind of read in the book or something and understand you really have to feel what it's like to feel it pass by your hand when it's passing normally and then um, understand uh, how to hold the animal when you're doing it. So I, I, if you're not confident, you know, try and go to somebody that is doing it more often and just see how they're doing it. That's great, John. And I suppose regardless whether it's a suckler calf or a dairy beef calf that might be bought onto the farm as part of a dairy beef system, there are a number of elements that can arise on the farm, particularly in relation to different health perspectives. What do you mm -hmm. see as the main causes? Um, so, so I suppose that the big things would be uh, scour and um, respiratory disease or pneumonia are the two big ones. And then, as I said, kind of before, navel ill is is one of those other ones that that uh, you'll often see um, if you go looking for it. But maybe we don't uh, pick it up as often. And in relation to the calf scour that you mentioned, what are kind of the key actions a farmer can take to? in a preventative method and then as a treatment method. 
So, so uh, uh, the 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 key thing with class or with with scour is a uh, claustrum is going to help you protect your calf. So, getting on top of your claustrum management is going to be key. But I suppose where does the calf get the the scour from? There's a numerous different pathogens that can cause scour. Uh, but the main ones that you you'd know would be rotavirus and cryptosporidium. They'd be the two big ones that would cause the majority of scour in calves across Ireland. So rotavirus is a virus and cryptosporidium is a parasite and they're both quite hardy kind of pathogens. So they'll happily live in the environment. Calves, sick calves will shed them out in their dung and will say, if you had an outbreak last year, uh, make sure that you clean out the shed completely, get all of the, the bedding, all of the dung out of the shed, then a full power wash so that the, the shed is sparkling clean and then go out and get a disinfectant because even after that, there's the possibility that there'll be crypto or, or scour or rota kind of lurking in, we'll say, cracks in the concrete or, or something like that. So you have to really disinfect the shed fully. So at the beginning of your calving season, a full disinfection of the shed is very important and I suppose making sure that you get a disinfectant that does kill those things. If you have an outbreak of scour this year, there's lots of, uh, or there's uh, tests that vets can do um, uh, basically calf side nowadays so it's very good to test the scour and see what pathogen comes up because it'll give you a good idea of what you need to do to manage it uh, in terms of Treatment, I suppose, it's the big thing is in most cases, calves with scour don't need antibiotics. So oral antibiotics aren't going to help calves much. Uh, the, the key thing with calves with scour is replacing the fluid and the electrolytes that those calves have lost. So, you know, calves can scour four to kind of eight litres of fluid a day and they'll be losing electrolytes in that scour as well. They'll be losing sodium and potassium and they'll also develop a an acidosis from that scour. So uh, apart from uh, feeding the calf, you also need to supplement electrolytes and fluids. And so realistically, if a calf is scouring quite severely, it may need, um, you know, two to four feeds of two litres of electrolytes uh, during a day to kind of compensate for the loss of fluids. Um, and the electrolytes, there's lots of electrolytes out there. Uh, the key things to look out for in your electrolytes are that they have sodium, potassium, glucose and um, bicarbonate or something that we call a, a bicarbonate precursor in them because they're the key kind of things that the calf is losing in the scour and feed, never restrict feed for these calves. Always try and if get them to drink something, you know, at least offer them milk as well because um, there is glucose in those um, electrolytes, but the glucose is actually primarily there so that uh, the calf can absorb the sodium in the electrolytes. There isn't enough there to provide enough energy for the calf to recover properly from the scour. So the most high energy thing you can feed the calf is milk. And, you know, like the idea that milk is too rich for scouring calves or things, we, we've kind of gone away from that now when we realize that the, the energy and the nutrients in milk is very important for the calf to kind of rebuild its gut after uh, an episode of scour. 
And you mentioned there, John, the respiratory diseases and infections in this scenario that your research is carried out on. Mm. What are kind of the main causes from that side of things or what preventative measures can farmers put in place? So um, the, 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 there's loads of different viruses and bacteria that can cause respiratory disease in calves. Um, the, there's ones like uh, BRSV or um, parainfluenza. And then on the bacteria side, you have bacteria like Mannheimia hemolytica and Mycoplasma bovis that can cause um, pneumonia. So there's loads of different ones. And for that reason, I, I generally try and focus on prevention when I talk to people about preventing or about um, BRD because it's very hard to know or it's uh, very hard to know without testing exactly what you've got on a farm. So the key thing for me is uh, calves need to have a good bed of straw under them because um, we'll say if they if they're particularly cold or if they're particularly um, wet or if they're exposed to quite a, a strong you know draft or something like that 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 will drain a lot of energy from the calves because they'll be trying to keep themselves warm and that'll mean that the calves don't have as much energy to put towards their um, their immune system so they'll be much more likely to pick up these diseases so straw is is very very important um, at kind of protecting from a lot of those things. There are vaccines out there that you can use and certainly in high risk calves like dairy beef calves or farms that have a previous history of pneumonia in their calves, uh, vaccines can be very useful. Uh, the intranasal vaccines in particular are a great um, kind of invention in the last couple of years because they you can give a lot of them to calves between like less than a day old to two weeks old you can start giving those vaccines and they'll kind of start inferring protection onto that calf within the space of a week or two weeks so they're very very useful especially in farms where you know that your calves are getting sick quite early with pneumonia um and then I suppose the other thing that has popped up in the research in recent times, which is quite interesting, is things like dust and ammonia in sheds can cause nearly what you'd call an asthma or an inflammatory kind of disease in calves' lungs. And that'll predispose the calves to pneumonia as well. So particularly, we'll say, around producing things where you might produce a lot of dust inside in sheds, uh, try and avoid that as much as possible so you know if you have particularly dusty straw or things like that trying to bed the calves without kind of whipping up loads of dust will be quite important and um Especially this year, I suppose we're going to have a bit of a shortage of straw or straw is going to be quite expensive. So, you know, uh, trying to um, avoid, we'll say, the straw getting particularly wet or anything like that is going to be important. So, you know, uh, keeping the shed as dry as possible, avoiding leaks from water troughs or kind of rain coming in and soaking bedding will be very important this year as well. Finally, John, costridial diseases can cause a number of conditions in cattle and often it's too late when they're detected. Can you offer some advice for farmers on them? 
Uh, yeah, so I, I've I, I've seen um, in out in practice. I remember seeing a particularly bad case of an outbreak of blackleg where a farm ha- had elected not to to vaccinate the 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 ca- cattle, and they'd actually lost maybe five or or six out of a group of sixty with an outbreak of it. So I suppose uh, the point is there are vaccines available for clostridial diseases. And uh, I would make sure to vaccinate my animals because clostridial diseases are basically um, ubiquitous in the environment. There's no farm that doesn't have clostridial pathogens on it. So it's really um, just a case of you have to vaccinate the animals to be to 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 make sure that they're protected. There's no way that you can avoid them getting exposed to uh, clostridial pathogens. So there are numerous vaccines on the market there and I would always choose to go for the vaccines that cover for a number of different um, clostridial pathogens because blackleg is the most common one. You'd have other ones like tetanus as well but depending on the part of the country you're in, there may be other less common clostridial diseases that your animals might be exposed to. And I suppose you'd say uh, vaccinate the calves between a kind of eight and ten weeks or maybe a little later because um, often calves will get protection from the colostrum from the mother for clostridial disease. So the first kind of 10 weeks of life uh, is probably they're probably protected, but then we need to give them the vaccine and then give them the booster a month later to infer protection going on from, from then on. That's great, John. Thanks very much. Some great key tips and advice there for farmers caring for the newborn calves in the coming weeks. Thank you very much. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to John for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.